Westmore Library and the Quick Center for the Arts presents an official Apple podcast, Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast, with me, Migs Burroughs. And I'm Trace Burroughs. And today we have with us Dr. Macy Smith, who's an author, a speaker, a host, and an expert on caring for those who have dementia and Alzheimer's. Is that a good way to introduce you? It's perfect. That's who yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Megs, you want? Uh, I have a lot of questions. But yeah, well, just start. let's start off. Uh -oh. I think a lot of people. I think it's probably the question you, maybe you get asked most. Uh, is, what's the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? Yeah, that's always the first question, and, and I don't mind because that's a very important question. That surprisingly, many people don't know that there is a difference. So. Uh, I'm from the deep south, like um, I'm from the dirt road, rock road, mobile home south, no stoplight, barely, you know, stop signs. And how I grew up was that as you get older, you're going to get old timers, which is not a thing, right? So when you break down what old timers actually is, there is absolutely some credence to Alzheimer's and or dementia. So when we think about Alzheimer's, that is the number one type or the number one cause of dementia. Alzheimer's is the disease, dementia is the symptoms. Mm. So I often tell people, family caregivers and professionals, because believe it or not, and you, know, you all have experience, simply because somebody is working in the dementia care community at the assisted living does not mean that they are trained to work in that area. So when we break it down, if you have a headache and you go to the doctor because you have a headache, your diagnosis is not gonna be headache. Your diagnosis is gonna be what's causing the headache. The headache is a symptom such as dementia, but what's causing that headache is the actual diagnosis. It could be an infection. Um, it could be other conditions. Um, uh, could be a brain bleed, an aneurysm, what have you. And so Alzheimer's is the number one cause of dementia. What is dementia? Those are the symptoms. Memory loss, confusion, disorientation, agitation, irritability, not being able to perform familiar tasks. That is a thing. It's something, but something is causing those behaviors and those symptoms. Do other things cause dementia then? Are there other causes? Absolutely. There are over 100 causes of dementia wow. uh, or over 100 types of dementia because we typically we see that there are what I call pseudo dementia or you'll hear in the industry reversible dementia, meaning those conditions that you see, the memory loss, forgetfulness, it's caused by something that can be treated. I'll tell you, the number one cause of treatable dementia in our older adult senior population is a urinary tract infection. Mm. A urinary tract infection is first cousins to dehydration. Typically, when you have a urinary tract infection, you also have dehydration and you may also have a nutritional imbalance. So all three of them kind of go hand in hand. And when you have a urinary tract infection, an older adult, whether they have dementia or not, it, the behaviors and the responses, because we all have behaviors, behaviors is a, a verb, it's not a noun, 
when they have these responses that are, are um, unfamiliar or challenging or disturbing, that is the urinary tract infection causing those behaviors. So those behaviors are dementia, but what is causing it? And that's the number one question we have to ask physicians in the industry when they are diagnosing someone with mm. dementia, which is not truly the diagnosis. The very first thing you need to ask the doctor is, what's causing it or what type of dementia it is. Wow. Could you, tell, could you tell, just say quick, what's the connection now when you, you have a urinary tract infection, you're saying that's the number one cause of dementia. Correct me if I say anything. Reversible right. dementia. Treatable. Reversible. Treatable dementia. Because of you, that that affects your mental your state? psyche, absolutely. Now, wow. if, you know, when we're younger and, and I used to have urinary tract infections all the time, I have the wherewithal and the comprehension and the capacity to say, okay, these symptoms mimic urinary tract infection. I make a decision to go to the doctor or there's some over-the-counter stuff I'm going to tell you about in a few minutes because I think it's very important for um, family members and professionals working in the industry to know about. I go and get treatment for it. Now, when we think about our senior population, they may not even recognize the signs or the symptoms of a UTI or Trace and MIGS, they might recognize the signs, but if they're living independently, they may not say anything to anybody because if I tell my daughter, the first thing she's going to do is take me to the hospital and they're, what they're going to do is send me to the old folks home or send me away. I don't want to leave my house, so I'm not going to tell anybody and I'm going to keep it to myself and prayerfully with Lord's willing, it's going to go away. And what happens is it, it will poison their system they will be they could they could become sepsis mm. which they would be hospitalized at that time wow. so urinary tract infection that's typically when families call me because i do geriatric care management now uh, with the power of zoom i could do that across the country because we have family members and children living in different parts of the country and mom maybe here in south carolina or somewhere else and we can connect them via zoom so after I, I talk about a urinary tract infection, then I talk about the medications. So medication side effects can cause treatable dementia. If those medications are fighting against each other, it could cause dementia symptoms. It can cause confusion. Because I'll tell you, our seniors over, 60, over, the, over the age of 65, approximately 90% of our individuals have at least one chronic illness approximately 70% have at least two chronic illnesses and, and so forth and so on. With these chronic illnesses comes physicians and specialists. Are they talking to each other? No, they are not. Nobody is coordinating the care. So you have an oncologist, a psychologist, and a primary care physician prescribing different medications for anxiety. Uh, well, you're talking to two, I'm 75 yeah. and Trace is... 12. No, Trace is 70. <laughs> Just mentally, I'm 12. Yeah, no, Trace is 70, I think. Are you, are you 71. 70? 71, okay. So we're, yeah, and, we've, and that sort of strikes fear. We both live alone, and there's nobody to say or say, you know, you're acting a little weird, or why did you do that? Or mm. why did you put the keys in the refrigerator? You know, I mean, it, you know. it's funny, That's but right. it's not funny. Yeah. yeah. But you know what, Migs? Typically what, what studies support, and I have to say what studies support because the folks that I, I'm actually working with, and my grandmother, she had uh, 
she had dementia and the doctor saying it was it was Alzheimer's disease, but um, she passed away from complications. But she never said to us that she experienced any concerns with memory loss or things mm. of that nature. But typically you do recognize the signs before anybody else does. It's called subjective cognitive impairment. Mm. And so you know that there is a change yourself. And so, you know, I, I always encourage people to identify and name it, call it a thing and tell somebody. So that way you can have somebody to come in and check on you. And I tell people all the time too, if you don't have any kids, find some, find some, <laughs> be nice to the millennials and the generation Z's because you may need somebody to come on over or come and, and care for you. So, but how do you, so like, I forget na names, but I remember that all of a sudden it'll come to me also with the COVID where I haven't seen certain people that I were friends with for a year and a half. I'm looking at them and I go, God, I don't, I don't remember their name. And then they'll come to me a minute later. I mean, I, I guess that didn't happen in my fifties and forties a whole lot, but I do remember their name. It takes a little more. Is that a sign or is it is something, how do I know? Yeah, it's acceptable. Yeah, that, that is a sign. That is a sign of normal age memory impairment. Everybody knows that. It does normal. Right. So let me tell you, um, I'm terrible with names. And, and it wasn't until I got in my 40s that I realized how I learned best. I, I'm a slow learner. I didn't know that when I was in school. But I absolutely have to, uh, I have to put together names with faces. With I'm an auditory learner. I'm, a, I'm actually an auditory print learner. I have to see it. It has to make sense. And I forget names all the time. I have to see you at least three times and say your name three times before I can remember. That's normal age memory impairment because you can revert and think back to, you know, where you last left something, or you can make word association, or you can use semantics to remember things. Everybody is different, but just memory loss is not a sign or symptom of a progressive type of dementia. It has to be memory loss plus the loss of another functioning ability. The memory loss has to impair your life in some form or fashion. For example, everybody's forgotten where they park their car when they're coming out of Walmart or Target. Everybody has, you know, and, and then you walk around the parking lot aimlessly and Everybody knows that you're lost because you have that loss. <laughs> yes, you know what I terrible. mean? Yeah, I do. And then look, and then you go and try to hit the little beep beep, yeah. and it doesn't work because your husband forgot to put batteries in it. So you walking around even longer, looking, <laughs> you know, looking confused. And so that's normal. So you find the car. You're like, okay, I found the car. Crank it up. You go home. This is where it could be dementia or something that's impairing the cognitive state. When you find your car, you get in your car and you don't know what to do next. Oh, that's, yeah. And that that's, very, that's scary. That's because scary. Because now yeah. you didn't just forget where you parked your car. Now you don't know what to do when you find your car. Yeah, those were the first signs of our mom. Yeah, she thinks she had age related. I mean, she really didn't. When, when do you think she really got dementia in her 90s? Yeah, too. But yeah, and the first sign of it when we had to take her license away, and I know in one of your talks on your website, you talk about the the, the, the most traumatic thing for someone is to take away their independence, mm -hmm. but it was a matter of saving their life. It was either- Of course. And know, my mother, yeah, she fought, and yeah. it, I hate, to, she she said, I said, mom, this is sick, but I'm going to say it anyhow. <laughs> Just say it, Trey. I, I said, mom, you know, you could hit someone 
yeah. while you're driving and, and kill them. And she says, I don't care if I go to jail. <laughs> yeah. So and let me so let me say this, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like dog mama is gangsta. I knew she had it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all is a way to do it. It's a way to do it with dignity and respect. Mm. And it's called tricking them. I mean, it's called <laughs> That's a medical term. <laughs> it's called I call it I call it strategically planning. So and I didn't even bring my book down, but I, and I talk about this in my book, um, frequently asked questions. You know, how do I stop mom from driving? The first piece of independence they get is that driver's license, and you're just gonna come in as my sons and take it from me. Yeah. You know what? When you do that, you're stripping a piece of them. They're already um, losing parts and pieces of who they know now, and so uh, what you've done, even though you're you're performing and you're putting things in place that's a safety measure it it's also restrictive and uh, it's it's hurtful right so what do you do Mace? are you telling me to let her go out there and drive and, and hit somebody or somebody hits her no you have to strategically plan you have to prepare the environment to whereas she makes the decision herself not to drive for example the key that cranks up the car remove it from the key ring so mm -hmm. the key ring looks the same she goes to crank up the car. The key is not there. And she's like, Migs, have you seen my key? No, I haven't <laughs> seen it. It's the therapeutic fib. I haven't seen it. And y'all are looking for the keys. By that time, you, she's distracted with something else. You know, a lot of times they just want to know that they can get to where they need to be. They don't need to, they don't need to know that you're restricting them or taking uh, something away from them because they're going to fight. And it sounds like your mama was a fighter. Yeah, yeah, very stubborn. Yeah, no, you're right. right. She's brilliant. gonna, she's gonna fight, and that causes more anxiety than anything. And so I talk to people about setting the stage and preparing the environment. And I had somebody, I told a family that one time, and they called me back, and they were like, "Macy, Doctor Macy, she, she has a new car. You know, it only has that one key." And I was like, "Oh God, let me think, let me think, right?" <laughs> and so I said, "Okay, you can disconnect the battery, right? Uh, but don't leave the battery in there because." People, some reason, people think that people with dementia don't have any brain cells at all, and they can't think of, they can't think through anything. They see the battery, they see a disconnection. Guess what they'll do? Connect it because they're concrete thinkers. They see it, mm. right? So really, it's it's just how to not restrict them, but to prepare the environment where they will make decisions that will offer safety. Now, what do you do? I have two. Uh, maybe I should back to back these questions, but. Okay, what, when you get to the stage, that stage where your parent doesn't get, recognize you and you're in the house and you're trying to help them, like, well, I don't know, anything, take them to the bathroom or shop or, I mean, how do, what do, you, how do you deal with that when they say, who are you? And uh, that didn't happen to me. Did it happen to you, mates, with mom? Yeah, and actually, and Macy, as a, I was just, I was going to ask her, she, and she'll probably, she'll say what she said on her website, maybe that was, I think, a brilliant thing that I wish my mother, we had known about it, my mother had known about a way to deal with that. Of My mother used to scold my father constantly. You know where that is, Bernie. What are you talking about? You just did that yesterday. How come you don't remember? You know who I am. I'm your, you know, constantly argumentative and which, you know, and nobody knows how to deal with. But yeah, it, towards the end, she said, you know, I don't know who you are. So I'm here to help you, mom. I'm your son. I kept opposite of your advice because I didn't know it then was to try to convince her I was her son yeah you know so but you have a better solution it, it, yeah 
So, and you know, and, and again, everybody is different. And so you have a, a toolbox of tools and you pull out the tool that works best at that particular time. And so one of the things you don't want to do is play that guessing game. Do you remember? Do you know who I am? Because if she's looking at you like she doesn't, then she doesn't. They tell us exactly what they're feeling and experiencing. It's up to us to um, really listen to them. And so if she doesn't know who you are and she asks who you are, you just tell her who you are. Don't have her trying to use the brain cells that she has remaining, trying to figure this out when you can take the stress out of all of that and say, hey, I'm Mama Migs, I'm your son. But it could go a step further and she could say, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. How about like, sorry, my, my mother's in the hospital, I forget what it was for something that, and the, the Norwalk hospital called us and said, your mother won't take the pills, come on down. And Migs and I went down there and, and there's three or four, you got to take these mom. And she thought she, we were trying to kill her. She oh, said, yeah. uh, you're just trying to kill me. You're yeah. just trying to, I forget the reason and why. And steal all my money and steal kill me. my money. And no matter yeah. what we said in the most, you know, we try to make it simple and easy and she would not be convinced. And so finally after repetitively saying, why would we want to kill you and trying to explain it? Uh, we, we said, we went out and told the nurse, we can't uh, do this. And suddenly a second nurse walks by, runs in and says, Esther, take your pills. And my mother took them like, <laughs> yeah. like that. So, yeah, so let me tell you about that. Well, I'm gonna go back to if mom says, no, you're not my son. Mm. You don't argue and go back and forth because you're trying to convince someone whose brain cells are deteriorating you're trying to convince them and change their mind of something. Their mind is already changing due to no help from you. And so if, if she says you're not her son, guess what? You're not, you're not her son. I'm a nice man that wants to help you. Oh, that's right? good. You, you play the role with the medication piece of it. So this is what I experience a lot. Everybody has roles to play. You're the sons. Your role is to be my son. Your role is not to be my doctor, to be my nurse, to be my housekeeper, none of that. So she may resist you in all those roles because that's not your role. And maybe she did not take the medication from that particular nurse because you don't know the interaction between her and that nurse. That nurse could have had a negative uh, demeanor. They're very, very sensitive to nonverbal cues, not necessarily what the person says, but how they say it, how they look when they say it, the inflection in their voice. Let me tell y'all this. I had a, a daughter say to me, she said, uh, Macy, you know, my mom told me that I can tell the heart, her mom had Alzheimer's. I can tell the heart of a person by the way they bathe me. Mm. By the way they bathe me. Yeah. If they take the time to cover me up, make sure the bathroom is warm, make sure the water is nice and comfortable and, and allow me to touch it and include me in the process then I know that they care about me and they want what's best for me. But if the caregiver doesn't cover me up, doesn't talk to me throughout the process, you know, forces me to do things I don't want to do in terms of getting in the shower, not allowing me time and rushing me, I can tell that they're not a nice person. Mm. And that resonated with me so much because that is so intimate. And so what happens is when someone develops dementia, we start to look at them as a dementia patient or a dementia person, as opposed to a person 
living with dementia. Mm -hmm. They're a person with the same feelings and emotions that you and I have. And if she didn't like that nurse and that that nurse had a nasty disposition and then she called y'all, uh-oh, she called the popo in. But this other, it's called rescuing. There's a name for it. It's called mm -hmm. rescuing. And that nurse may have been at the end of her shift. And before she left, she's supposed to get your mom to take the medication. And so she's rushing. They don't do well when you're rushing because they need time to process it because the key is, if I don't say nothing else on this line today, mm. the key is they want to be independent for as long as feasibly possible. Mm. And it's the way we engage with them that allows them to do that. And so if we're trying to rush them or force them or take control out of their hands, they're not going to do it. And it's something that she needed to do, but she wasn't going to do it for that nurse because that nurse did not approach her and invited her. The nurse didn't invite her to do to take the medication. The nurse commanded her to take the medication. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if y'all are married or not, but I know when my husband commands me to do something, <laughs> I'm just like, dude, you must not know. You've been married to me for a long time. <laughs> You're yeah. going to need to bring that down a couple of notches. And so I might not do it right then, Oh, yeah. When it gets a little nice and stuff like that, then I make the decision to do it. And so as, as we get older, and especially if someone has a cognitive impairment, every, almost everything has to be an invitation and not a command. Because if it's a command, they're going to try to be, again, take control over themselves. And mm -hmm. you can't blame them because we do the same thing every day. Yeah, then it becomes adversarial. But no, the, the thing I love what you said in one of your things it was that... Uh, to be who they want you to be. Don't try to convince them who you are. Be, if That's they right. say, I don't know who you are, and you said, you know, something like, well, I'm here to visit, but I don't know you. Well, that's okay. I, you know, I just wanted to say hello. I, that's you know, right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, if you've ever wanted to be an actor, <laughs> care for somebody with dementia, that is your opportunity <laughs> to put your skills into play. Because again, you, you don't want them trying to figure things out. They shouldn't have to. Yeah. You know, you be who they want you to be at that particular time. You know, in some cases, I've had some where um, the, the the direct support staff reminds the the resident of the husband's other woman. So, you know, she wasn't going to come in and try to give her any medication <laughs> yeah. or food. Because you look like the mistress. And if you look yeah. like the mistress, guess what? Yeah, You are the mistress. And so we have to really step into their reality mm. when you're caring for someone with the with dementia personally or professionally their reality is the only reality yeah. you can't impose your reality because they're a, we have a fully function accommodating brain and we can adjust you know we can play the role they can't the role that they're playing is the best they can with what they have and those brain cells are deteriorating their brain is getting smaller and smaller with more ga mm. gaps and more uh, widening um, space. And so there's no connection there. They're literally doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. Towards the end, my mother, one of her things was she thought Migs was the head of the postal system. <laughs> <laughs> like I came in to see her. What I'm not. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about it. Right, you're from I, I'm wearing my hat. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> And then, then she thought I, I had come one, I was a sing singer, so I went there and sang a song with a guitar player, whatever. 
She, and then she thought that she told Migs or told me that a limo came, took oh, yeah. everyone from the senior center, including me, brought us brought us brought to Broadway where I did a oh, show. Yeah, yeah. Broadway. Wow. And, yeah, vivid and, imagination. Yeah, yeah. wish that was you know a real thing. <laughs> I, I love that. And you know their reality could be based on a a common a combination of experiences both lived experiences and things that they see on television things uh -huh. that are not real but it's real to them and so it could be hodgepodge and, and and mixed up but guess what they're spitting that story out like it is 100 real yeah. and if it's 100 real to them it's 100 real to us that would be exciting i was like oh my gosh that's so amazing you know <laughs> yeah yeah how so some like um she used to take my father my father had alzheimer's and, and he was 80 he died at 80 but, uh, when he was 80 but it was pretty severe for a couple of years towards the end and uh she stopped taking him out but when she did just try to take him out because she needed the relief to go to a restaurant and he would like eating peas with a knife trying to eat peas with a knife so what do you say? You don't want to make a scene, but she would scold. That's the trouble. You know, she would scold him. Oh, you know better than that. Why are you eating peas with this? Blah, 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 blah. So what's the nice way to make, stop yeah. that, the embarrassment or what they feel is embarrassment, you know? With and you know, and to your mother, in your mother's defense, you know, individuals with Alzheimer's and progressive types of dementia, they have moments of lucidity. When we think about the progression of the disease process, Alzheimer's tends to affect the short-term memory first, first. So they can remember 50 years ago when they had their first baby, but they can't remember if they took their medication that morning. They can't remember if you came over the night before. And so sometimes family members think that they just want attention, that they can do better, that they know better because they know some things. And so they and my dad would do that to my grandmama. My dad would say, Oh, you know, your, your grandmama just wants attention, you know, she ain't nothing but a hell raiser. And I'm just like, Oh, I didn't know that. Tell me more, mm -hmm. you know. But that's because she could remember some things and couldn't remember other things. And so, if, if you're out at a restaurant and just saying you're in your dad's situation trying to eat peas with a knife, now this is where you step into their reality. If it's not frustrating for him. If it's not a problem for him, then it's not a problem for anybody, mm. right? And th that's a that's a hard pill yeah. to swallow. If your communication about the person who's living with dementia begins with I and ends with me, you're not going to do well because you're not focusing and putting that person first. So if he had fun trying to cut the peas and they flying everywhere, <laughs> guess what? Leave him alone. He ain't hurting nobody. Yeah. Now, yeah. if he started to become, to, if he started to get frustrated because he couldn't get the peas, then what you would want to do, you didn't even have to say anything, but maybe kind of distract him or whatever, talk with him or, or sing or hum. During that time, you're sliding the knife out of the way, you're putting a spoon there. Again, you didn't say you can't, you won't, you need to, you better not. You just prepare the environment where they would be successful accomplishing a task. How do you deal with when they get a, I know they can be aggressive. And uh, my mom had issues with my dad, you know, the getting in and also my ex-wife and her grandmother, you got to use the bathroom and they start, don't push, you know, don't lead me in there. You know, they, they think you're forcing them into the bathroom or oh, something. Yeah. What do you do with that? 
So what do you do when they with the bathroom or yeah, let's say it's a bathroom. We'll just pick that and they they you're you're trying to guide them in because you know they have to go for whatever thing you picked up they said they wanted to and now a minute later they forgot they said that and you saying well, you need to go in here and and you know that, you is a, that is a difficult one because again everybody is individualized you don't want to force them to do anything because they're going to fight back and the very thing that you hope to accomplish you're not going to accomplish actually you just magnify the situation so you're forcing them into the bathroom they may be afraid, right? It may be dark, it may be unfamiliar. Um, so they may be afraid, you're forcing them in there, they're fighting back, now they've, they've had an accident on themselves, they've messed up their clothes, they messed up the floor, now they're mad at you, you mad at them, and that's a, a, a whole big old situation. I don't know uh, what the, the situation was or what have you, or what made the person think that the individual needed to go to the bathroom, but uh, again, it's all about how you approach the situation with dignity and respect. It's always ideal to have a toileting schedule, right? When you have a, when there is a, a toileting schedule or a schedule of anything and it's routine, the person who has dementia typically does it on their own because it becomes remote memory. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to establish that. Typically you can establish that routine by just following their pattern. And so the biggest thing, Trace, is the, and I, I, can't, I can't stress it enough, is really the communication and how you relaying the information to them. Again, if it looks like a command, it's not going to work. It has to be an invitation. It has to be inviting. The way the environment looks is important, too, because it has to be well lit. It can't have any shadows. It can't be anything that looks scary. It, there can't be any type of obstruction. Just, you know, if there's something in the walkway toward the bathroom and it's a barrier for them, they may not want to even go that way at all. One of the worst things you can do is try to force them to put on uh, adult briefs. Mm. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to get them to put on adult briefs to satisfy you or to make your life easier as a caregiver, it's going to backfire on you every time. They're not going to they're not going to wear them. So a toileting schedule or routine, making sure that it's well lit, that they know that this is the bathroom and the way to the bathroom, because they can get lost in their own house at any given point in time throughout the process, because sometimes our house looks differently the, the way the sun rises and sets. Maybe there's an overcast that particular day. The house looks differently. We all know our house looks differently at night than it does during the day. I can tell you, when I was a little girl and I used to go spend the night with my cousins, when my mama already knew when it got dark and everybody went to bed, I was going to be calling to go home because this ain't the same house. You know, so you think about yourself. I tell people all the time, you learn more about what someone with dementia is experiencing by walking in your own shoes. Mm, that's interesting. You know, there's a great Seinfeld episode where he, he he fell in love with this beautiful woman, but then he took her out and it was under harsh lighting and she looked like oh. a monster, you know? Oh. So people look differently too. I mean, in the exactly. lighting- Exactly. You know what makes, that's an excellent point. Um, I had a caregiver once who was going through chemo and she lost her hair. So the, the, the individual who had dementia remembered seeing her with long hair. And so when she lost her hair, she looked like a different person. Mm -hmm. And for someone with dementia, they're very concrete thinkers. If you look different, you are different. Mm -hmm. And so when, whenever um, 
they would go to bed at night, he would leave because he wasn't going to stay with that strange person mm. when the lights were off. And so we ended up, she ended up getting a wig so that way she can look like the same person. Mm. And that, that handled that. That's interesting. Well, we've only got a few minutes left. So first I want you to just mention your wet. Well, Chase. I got one rule for, okay. I've been meaning to ask that I was waiting. Okay. Yeah, go how ahead. Do, how does someone lower the risk of getting dementia? I saw that notice. Oh that yeah. Uh, I thank you for asking that question. Because what we know now is that approximately one third of the over 100 types of dementia that we see could possibly be prevented. And I think you already know what I'm getting ready to say. Mm -hmm. Lifestyle changes, what you choose to put in your mouth, uh, lack of exercising. So you want to be, I don't, I don't believe in dieting. So you're not going to ever hear me say a diet. You want to ensure that you have a well-balanced meal plan. <laughs> not gonna say don't eat certain things but it has to be well balanced because we do need fats we do need salt we do need sugar but it needs to be well balanced i love the mind diet and i'm only saying diet because that's the name of it because when you build inflammation in your body you're building inflammation in your brain that causes cloudiness that causes you know, uh, some cognitive interruption and so that continues to build if you don't change your eating habits you know, exercising, when you exercise and you move around and you stay active, you, you're, there's so many chemicals that are released in your brain, the, the serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins. And so that's building up a healthy brain and preserving a healthy brain. When you preserve a healthy brain, because what's good for the heart is good for the brain, you do reduce your risk. Managing coexisting conditions. If you have diabetes, you have thyroid issues, if you have asthma, if you have COPD, you have to appropriately manage those conditions effectively because it will reduce your risk. Uh, make sure your blood pressure is at a low. Make sure your cholesterol level is at a low. I got my physical two days ago. Actually, it was a competition. My husband, he has a, a metal and recycling center and he is always like, ah. So I was like, dude, I know your blood pressure high. His blood pressure is like 119 over 70. I was like, the devil is a lie. Uh -huh. So I got mine yesterday and it is great. It's 117 over 70 something. So you got to make yeah, sure that those, those levels are where they need to be. And you ultimately do reduce your risk. Staying socially engaged, you know, uh, exercising your brain, you know, playing brain games. Thinking now, I'm not talking about crossword puzzles because let me put let me put this on notice. Uh, word find that's what I'm talking about. Word find does not challenge your brain at all. The only thing you're doing you're finding the words that you're looking at. <laughs> yeah. You know, but when you're doing word, I mean, um, yeah, word puzzles and and word problems and things of those na that nature, you're thinking. So when you start thinking about things, you're firing off those neurons. You're building a cognitive a cognitive reserve. So if you were to get Alzheimer's, you have so many neurons in there that you can accommodate for your losses. If you forget to uh, the word to uh, iPhone, you may choose to say cell phone because you built up this cognitive, cognitive reserve and you can maintain your independence for even longer. But studies do support that when we manage a healthier lifestyle or have a healthier lifestyle, we reduce our risk of developing dementia. That's really great to know. Wow. Yeah.
No, what a fantastic uh, uh, education so week. Thank you. I'm going to tell my daughter to watch this. So, yeah. Case, and my ex wife, I... who does crossword puzzles all day to keep her brain alive. That's what she said. Anyway, right, right. Exactly. Um, so, well, uh, to end, let's talk, you know, mention your book and, and the website people can go to, please. Okay. So, great. My book is called A Dementia Caregiver's Guide to Care. And it is available on Amazon and it's also available at Walmart that happened this week. Uh, so it's, it's a, um, a Kindle book on Amazon. And it's also a paperback. My website is www.dtconsultantnos.org. And I am on all social media platforms at Dr. Macy P, but not on TikTok because you got to be too a 92 to be on TikTok. Um, definitely check out my YouTube page and it's just Ask Dr. Macy on YouTube. And my show on Saltbox TV. Oh yeah, how do we find, yeah, I saw, where, where, how do you find Saltbox TV? So Saltbox TV, you go to www.saltboxtv.com. Yeah. Saltbox TV is also on Roku and Fire TV. Oh. No wow. passwords, no downloads, it's a click and play and it's free. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. that's great and super informative. <laughs> and yeah. I want to thank you guys for having me on today too on Not Another Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be on every show everywhere. So I've never, you know, I watch the shows and, you know, the informative daytime, some daytime talk shows and whatnot. You know, I've never heard any. I've never heard all this. So yeah. informative and, and uh, helpful. So thank you.